Open Arms, so great to be with you today. I want to speak to you today from the book of Jeremiah. If you have your Bibles with you, we'd love for you to turn with me to chapter 29. Of course, the scripture is going to be on the screen also, but we're looking at verses 11 through 14. This may be, for you, a very familiar scripture. We've heard it time and time again, but I want to preach a, a message on it and look at the context of it. But we're reading in, in verse 11, it begins, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You know, that's been the, the vision series that we just launched last week. This is week two of our series, Hope for a Future. We believe that Jesus is our hope, and with him, we have got a great future, a bright future, and he's called us to be hope for the future. Hope for the future of our children, of our homes and our communities and hope in our workplaces and among our friendships. And, you know, also he's called us to be together a hope for the world, a hope as the church that during these, these times of darkness that we will be light, during these times of negativity and cynicism that we'll be a voice of hope, that, that during these times where there is suffering, that we will be ones who will bring hope and show others the way towards hope that is found in Jesus. Verse 12, it continues, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Then you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. Love the message translation of verse 11. It says this, I know what I'm doing. What a great word from God. And he says, I know what I'm doing. May that bring you confidence today. God says, hey, I know what I'm doing in your life. I know what I'm doing for your future. I know where I'm bringing you and what I've got ready for you. He says, I've got it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. Not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. That's the title of my message today that I want to speak on. The future you hope for. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. A plan to give you the future you hope for. I want to ask that question to you today and get you to ponder on it and think of it. What is your hope for 2023? What is your future look like? What is it What's your vision for your life? What do you want to see happen? What's your vision for this next year? And you know, God has given me a vision and downloaded to me a vision for our church and a vision for the future of our church. And we're going to be having on the 9th of October, we're going to have Vision Sunday. You'll see one of these on each of your seats. I'd love for you to take that, bring it home, put it up in your fridge, make sure that you're here, your family are here, because I truly believe that it's going to lift your head and it's going to stir your heart and stir your spirit as God's going to speak to you today and the weeks to come and download to you a vision and a goal and a dream for what he wants to see you accomplish in your year and into your future. So we've got a special service and I'd love for you to be there 9th of October. Following that, the 23rd of October, we're going to be having our vision offering. This is where we're all coming together to commit to sow into the church so that we'll see this vision become a reality. So what's our vision as a church? In one sentence, our vision, why we exist, the purpose of our church is that we will build a life-giving church that reaches the nation of Ireland. 
That's our vision. To build a life-giving church that reaches the nation of Ireland. That our heart is to be able to shift and change the spiritual trajectory of Ireland for the next hundred years. That we will see our children and our children's children and our children's children's children. We will see their future greater than what we're experiencing today. That we will see a greater hope. That we will sow, serve, and sacrifice today so that they'll have greater hope tomorrow. Our mission is to see people experience life change through Jesus Christ. And I hope that you will join us in this series and on this Sunday, Vision Sunday, the 9th of October. But as we look at our hope for 2023, what we've done this week is we printed out these cards. You'll see them on your seats. And what I'd love for you to do, and in the front of the seat that you're facing, you'll see a pen. I want you to grab this card. I want you to grab a pen. And I believe that God's going to speak to you. I believe that he's going to reveal to you his dream, his plan, his purpose for your life. And as I'm going to speak over these next 20, 30 minutes, I believe that God's going to reveal to you, he's going to download into your spirit a dream, a vision, a prayer, a need, a miracle that you are yearning for. And what I want you to do, during the time you can see there's plenty of space, I want you to begin to write it out. I, I want you to begin to formulate the plan that God has for you. I want you to begin to put it in black and white. And in this service and over this time and at the end of, our, of this sermon and this message, we're going to make a plan for our future. And what we're going to do is we're going to set goals. We're going to set a plan to see the vision God has given us to become a reality. I, I believe that God has given you a plan. He's given you a purpose. But more importantly, he's called us to see that purpose become fulfilled. And in order to do that... We've got to set a plan. We've got to set a goal. We've got to set a vision. And what is our hope for 2023? So as I'm speaking, and you've got that before you, and as you're listening, and as I'm speaking today, just to write out exactly what your hope is for 2023. But as we look at this scripture that we read at the beginning, Jeremiah 29:11, I want to take it back and look at the pretext and look at the context of what these words were spoken in. It is one of the most quoted scriptures in church after John 3.16. But, I don't know, but how much do you actually know about the story? Who do you know that God was speaking to and these words are for? And Why were these words written? Why were they spoken? And, and how can we learn together about the context of which these words are written in will give us so much more power and weight to understand and apply the words that we hear so often and so much in what God is saying. So if you look at verses 1 through 4, it gives us the context of the people in which Jeremiah, the prophet, God's prophet, is conveying this message to his people. Verse 1 says, This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem, to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and prophets. And all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, incredible, crazy name. You may remember him from the story found in the book of Daniel. As we read about the gold statue and the three men who were forced to, everyone was forced to bow down. They refused. They were being thrown into the blazing furnace. We see that Nebuchadnezzar was the king. In fact, Babylon was the ruler and the empire of the day that ruled the world. And Babylon had gone to Israel, 
had captured the Israelite people and had now brought them into exile into the land of Babylon. And so we see that the people who are receiving these words and this message from the Lord through his prophet Jeremiah, they are now living in Babylon as captives. But they have been given freedom to, to live and to work as the, some of the leaders of the day had, had made a peace agreement with the people of Babylon. So they're, they're living amongst the Babylonians. And Jeremiah, he was God's messenger. He was, was God's mouthpiece to the people of Israel for many years, even before the exile. And before the exile, Jeremiah had been portraying the message, warning the people that if you don't listen to God, if you don't obey God, if you don't follow his commands, he's going to bring you out of this place into exile and he's going to bring you into the land of Babylon. But, but what we see is they still refused to listen to God, to obey God, and it's exactly what happened. So as these people have been brought out of their land into captivity, into exile, they're now in, in disarray. They, they don't know how long this is going to last. They don't know if they'll ever see their homeland again, if they'll ever walk the streets again. And there's been also at the same time lots of confusion going on because there's been certain people and prophets who've been spreading lies and, and predictions among the people and saying, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And they've been telling the people that, no, I, I'm God's mouthpiece and I'm God's voice. And God is saying, they are not from me whatsoever. So this is a time of great confusion, great uncertainty when God's people are feeling hopeless. And in this great time of need, the Lord speaks to them. He encourages them and he sends this message through Jeremiah. Verse 4 says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then he begins to list out five things that he's calling his people to put into place. Five things that I believe all of us should apply to our life today. Five things that I believe especially those of us who are in need. Those of us who are yearning for God to bring us clarity. Who are yearning for God to provide for us. Who, who are desiring, God, give me a vision. I want to have a hope for my tomorrow. I, I want to be able to get from you exactly what you're asking me to do. I want you to download to me a vision. What God says, this is what I'm asking you to do. This is what he's speaking to the people in exile in Babylon. But he's also speaking to it today, I believe, in the 21st century today and where we are for what he wants us to apply to our life today. So very first thing that we read is that he's calling us to make a plan for your future. Make a plan for your future. Verse 5 and 6, we read in Jeremiah 29, it says, Build houses, settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters a marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. He's saying here, I want you to settle down in Babylon. This exile, it's going to take a while. <laughs> it's going to be a long exile. You know, all these commitments that he's asking them to make, you know, you wouldn't make if you just thought we're going to be here for two years or five years or ten years. But God is saying that that this is going to be a long time. That the uncertainty, the unknown, the not knowing what's going to happen next, it may going to be lasting a while. This may be a, a long, drawn-out season that we're going to walk into and 
We looked at last week that, that it's so important that we need to have a hope that perseveres. What's perseverance? Perseverance is to endure patiently. It's to wait on God, to wait for Him. Yes, we may be in a dry season. Yes, we may be in a season of uncertainty. Yes, we may be in the time of unknown. But God says, I want you to persevere. What are we to do while we're waiting patiently? Are we to just to sit around? No, what does He say? He gives three exact points for them to do. Firstly, build homes and houses and settle down. Now, if this was in Ireland, it could take you years <laughs> to build a home, especially with all the costs. It costs you an arm and a leg right now. But if you're to build a house, it's going to take you a long time. But what's he saying? He says, I want you to make a home. I want you to be in the here and now. I want you to let your roots grow down deep. He says, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Say that I want you to sow seeds that you'll be able to eat the fruit from the soil. To work hard so that you provide for your loved ones. I want you to steward your work. Be diligent. Be respectful and people of character. Verse 6 says, Not only marry and have kids yourself, but I want you to think of the spouses for your children so that they too may have children. What's he saying? I want you to think not only of yourself, not only of the here and now today, but I want you to think of your children and your children's children. He's saying, I want you to think generationally. I want you to plan for your future. I want you to make a plan, not just for your future, but the future of your children and your children's children's children. The future generations to come. That's our vision. It's our vision as a church. We want to make an impact for this generation and the generations to come for the next hundred years. That will make a spiritual impact and see the generations impacted. He's calling us to have a generational mindset. To look at our life through the lens of legacy. He finishes verse 6. To increase in number and do not decrease. To grow, to thrive, and to multiply. Here's a second instruction that he gives. That I want you to pray for peace and prosperity for our land. Verse 7. Also seek the prosperity, peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. He said, I want you to be good citizens. Be good citizens of the land and in your community. Be involved in the place that you're in and make it better for you having been there. To, to steward and take care of our environment, our homes. Our finances, our being conscious of how we live. I, I read this quote recently. It says, we do not inherit, we did not inherit this land from our parents, but we are borrowing it from our children and we'll soon hand it back to them. Hey, we, we want to be, be prosperous in our land so we will hand our children a great future. You know, myself and Jillian, we, we spent over a 12-year span we, we lived in 11 different homes, 11 different houses. And each time we had the value, we had the principle that we lived by, that we want to leave this better than when we got it. When we're handing it back to the landlord, we're handing it back to the owner, we want to leave it better than when we got it. Imagine if we were to apply that principle to our life and to our, to our lives now and to our future, that, that imagine if we viewed our land and our nation and our community and our, our children and our workplace and our homes. Hey, leave, let's leave it better than when we got it. 
Let's pray to the Lord for, for this land to prosper, for peace to reign supreme in our land, to see our towns and our cities and our communities to thrive. So this means being involved in our community, getting to know our people, caring for people, encouraging them, helping them, being a valuable member of society. This means praying for peace and prosperity in our nation. Even during this secular, in the midst of secular culture, Rather than always giving out and complaining. And look, listen, I'm, I'm not saying for a second not to speak out and to stand up when we sing things, you know, culture crossing the line of our values. Yes, we are to speak out. But rather than always complaining and always giving out, but instead to sow words of life and of peace. You see, at this time that Jeremiah is speaking to these people, the exiled people, they were getting ready to rise up, to rebel and to revolt and to, to really come against the people of the day. Instead, God is intervening. He says, I want you to choose peace. I want you to speak peace. Sow peace. He's saying, I want you to grow your roots down deep. I want you to work hard. I want you to sow and to reap and enjoy, enjoy the life that you have here in this time. You know, many compare this time in Babylon to our time on earth. You know, heaven is our real home. Our time on earth, it's, it's, it's only the land of our exile. But rather than wanting to wish it and want it away, waiting for our time in heaven to come, we can pray for peace and prosperity in our land, in our community, for our people and for the world so that we can hand back to our children a prosperous inheritance that we'll leave it better than when we got it. Here's the third thing that God is asking us to do and the people of Israel. He says, discerning those who are out to deceive. Discerning those who are out to deceive. Verse 8 and 9 says, yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. See, at this exact time, there was self-proclaimed prophets who were spreading lies about what will happen next. Spreading lies about the outcomes, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen over the coming years. Who, who's going to suffer? Who's going to thrive? What's going to happen in different areas, in different ways? And it's, it's not too unlike the time that we're in right now. It's not too unlike what we read in the, the media's headlines on the news or in the newspapers. It's not too unlike in what we read about the worst case predictions. We're going to be honest, the Egypt's half the time are telling us what's going to happen and, and what's going to happen next. And, and God's saying to beware, to discern the deceivers. We read in chapter 29, uh, 28, the, the chapter previous about one deceiver in particular called Hananiah. Hananiah was coming out speaking against Jeremiah saying that he was the false prophet and Hananiah was truly God's man and his mouthpiece and, and he, he begins spreading and telling them exactly what, what's going to happen next and in response Jeremiah just turns to him and says you will not outlive the next year and you will die and we read in seven months Hananiah he dies. He drops dead. I know a lot of you would love that influence if you could have it over maybe some of the voices and deceivers that you may be hearing of. But instead of, of having this posture and this attitude, we're not called to fight everyone. We're not going to prove who's right and who's wrong. We, we don't need to defend ourselves. Even, you know, 
among our, our family or our friends or those of our colleagues in work and we can get into these arguments and we can get caught up and we can feel like we've got to defend the word. We've got to defend ourselves, but we need to be confident. Hey, listen, God won't be made a fool of. The word of God will come to pass. His promises will be fulfilled, whether we intervene or whether we don't, whether we defend or whether we don't. All God is asking us to do is discern those who are deceiving us. We must protect our hearts, our minds. We must, must protect our homes. Discerning those who are actively out to deceive. The Lord says, do not listen to these liars, but listen to the word of God and those who he appointed. We need to discern those who are deceiving knowingly or unknowingly. We need to be careful who we are listening to, who we're being influenced by. You know, I've met so many Christians recently whose beliefs, their values, their principles, and their theologies are oftentimes being shaped by the world and not by the Word. Oftentimes, they're more aware of what Oprah or, or Brené Brown or, Justin or Jordan Peterson or RTE News or News Talk or whoever the voice of the day is. They're, they're more aware of what they're saying rather than what God has said and is saying in the Word of God. This is such an important time for us to be more aware of what God has said and what He's saying in His Word, to read His Word and to base our belief on the Word of God and not on the world, not on opinion, not on other people, but on God so that we'll grow in wisdom and discernment, so we'll know truth from lies, right from wrong, and we'll discern those who are deceiving and we know the voice of God. Here's the fourth thing that He's asking us to do. Trust that His promise will be fulfilled. Verse 10 says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. According to Sabbath law, uh, the Israelites were to allow the land of Israel to rest for one year every seven years. But what we see is, you know, as God says, I don't want you to work on this year. I want you to leave the land to rest. But over 490 years, they disobeyed God. From the time of King Saul to the Babylonian exile, they disobeyed God. So what does God do? He says, I'm going to now take you out of this land for 70 years, catching up over the 490 years, one in every seven years, to let the land rest. What can we learn from this? Well, sometimes we don't understand why God does what he does. Sometimes we don't understand why God allows us to experience what we experience or to go through what we've gone through or just that he allows certain things to happen. But in this case, we see that he was preparing them for a greater future than what they were experiencing. Sometimes we don't know why God does what he does and allow to happen in our life. But we do see is that he was calling them and preparing them for a greater future than what they were experiencing. And they were suffering. They were in a difficult place, just like we can be in a difficult place and suffering. But as we saw in last week in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, that if we trust in God and we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. Verse 10 continues, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise. We can add when the time is right. The Lord 
is on his timeline and not your timeline. He will fulfill his promises at the right time when the time comes and you need just to trust in him. Trust in his timing. But in the meantime, know that he's preparing you for the future. That he's getting ready. That he's establishing within you a perseverance and character and hope for your future. How do we know this to be true? Verse 11 says this. For I know. I know what I'm doing. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This is where the scripture we know comes into place. This is where he's building it up for his people. He's speaking to his people. I know the plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you hope and a future. They were hopeless. He thought that their world was going to end. They thought that things would not change. They thought that this would always be life and they'll never see the promise fulfilled. But this word brought them comfort. They know, hey, I may not see this promise fulfilled in my lifetime, but they had a confidence now. It brought them comfort knowing, but my children and my grandchildren, they will reap the blessings. They, they will experience the fruit and they will experience the prosperity and the favor of God. And this hope for the future, it brings power to our present. This hope for the future brings power to our present. That's where true purpose comes alive. That's where true purpose has because I've got a great hope. I've got a great future. And for future generations, and that gives me power. It gives me meaning in my today and meaning in what I do. And here's the fifth and final thing. Seek him and you will find him. Seek him and you will find him. Verses 12 to 14. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. This is the promise to be, to be experienced right now in this moment. This is what is possible. This is what is available. We are in the presence of the Lord right now. He is here. And he says, seek me and you will find me. I'm ready. I'm here. I'm waiting for you, the Lord says. The promises will be fulfilled. Maybe not into our today. He's got plans. He's got a purpose. He's got a future and plans to see our future that we hope for come to pass. But in the meantime, his presence is here. He's here right now. And he says that even though you may feel an exile, even though you may feel captive physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I'm ready to open up the heavens to you. I'm ready to speak to you. I'm ready for you to experience me. And he says that you will find me. So that's what we're going to do. Just for a few moments. I want to end this in a very practical way. I want to end this in a way that, yes, you may feel inspired and encouraged and built up. But I want you to leave here having, you know what, I've got a plan. And I want you to see it in written form. We're going to seek God for the future that we hope for. So as I said, getting these cards back, I want you to get them in your hands right now. Once you grab that pen, as we ask that question, what's the future you hope for? If you haven't already, begin to write that down. First thing that comes to your mind, it may be a sentence, it may be a word, it may be a need, it may be a prayer. One thing we've also done as you leave here today, you'll see in the mirrors that we have right closest here to the exit and the door. We've prepared it for a dream wall. And what I'm asking everyone to do, we've got markers. We want you just to write on the mirror your dream. Your hope for 2023. 
I want us to encourage us. I want us to, to lift our heads. And every week, over the coming weeks, as we're walking in, we may be able to see the dreams of our people, the hopes of our people, the hopes of our church, the vision of our church. And we've got a prayer team and prayer ministry here who are going to be actively praying for you, actively praying for God to provide for you, to provide miracles, to see your hope come to pass, to see the plans come to fruition, to see the vision become a reality. So let's, let's do that together. What's your hope for 2023? But the second we're going to thing we're going to do is we're going to ask for you just to flip the page around. Here we have outlined the five core areas of our life. Spiritual, family, business, financial, and personal. What we're going to do is we're going to set goals. We're going to set a goal for the next 12 months. One goal for one each core area of your life. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through each time. So Right now, you got, the, you got a card in front of you with your pen. And as I speak, we're going to go through this one by one. Just to write down, what, what's a goal spiritually? Goal family, goal business, goal financial, goal personal. You might take this, you might begin to, to think about this, to comprehend this, to dwell on this. And you may take this with you and put it in your Bibles or bring it when you get home or put it in your back pocket and take it out and spend time with the Lord and write this out. So as we go through this line by line, just for a few moments, as I talk, beginning to, to write that down, setting goal for your year, for your life, that we'll see this plan become a reality. So firstly, spiritual. This might be setting a personal devotion. This might be reading the Bible, journaling in prayer, uh, in worship. For me, I, the goal I set was to wake up 30 minutes earlier every morning to worship, journal, and read the word. So write down what's a spiritual goal that you have for your life. Pers um, family. We see with family, this, this can be family in our relationships, time with loved ones, growing together, time with your spouse, working on your marriage and intimacy, kids, uh, seeing your kids in church and serving together, in prayer with them. So for, for me, what I wrote out is I want to date my wife consistently. I want to create memories with each of my children. I, I want to read and pray with them every night. That's a goal that I am setting. Thirdly, business. This is working within your talent and your passion. Setting goals for you to achieve, growing, reading, podcasts, courses to grow, setting a path of where you want to be and empowering others. For me, my, my profession, my vocation is, is here leading this church. My, my goal is to build our church to the healthiest and strongest that it's ever been before. That's my goal. I wrote that down. That's my prayer and the plan that I'm going to see come to pass. Financial. This can be putting a consistent budget in place, saving, growing, investing, getting ready that your finances are ready for what may be the recession that's coming our way. For me, I wrote out, I want to have a clear budget. I want to have a saving and investment plan and I want to implement a pension. That's my goal. I'm writing that down. That's my hope for this next season. And finally, is personal. This may be getting a mentor, going counseling. This may be physically, your diet or exercise, cutting back on calories, sugar, sleeping well and often, exercising, going from a, a light walk to weight training. For me, I, I wrote down exercising three times a week. I want to meet a counselor once a month. I want to grow and build my friendships. So I want to encourage you. You know, maybe I've ran through that and you're still thinking about the first one. Set time aside. This is as spiritual as it comes. This is biblical. God has a plan and a purpose 
for your life. If you never write the plan down, you'll never see it come to pass. If you never set the goal, if you never pray the prayer, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will not find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Jeremiah 29, 14 says, seek me and you will find me. When reality though, doesn't match up with your plan and the purpose you feel that God has given you, I want you to hold on to the hope. The hope that perseveres. Just because we write it down we're hoping for it and praying for it and we still see disaster, difficulty, discouragement, disappointment, debt build up. But still I have a hope that perseveres no matter what happens. And I finish with this. God says this. Message translation of verse 11. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. Not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. A plan and a purpose. And let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to pray for you today. God, I just pray for each and every one of us right now in this moment. That you will allow dreams and desires to rise up. That you will bring your vision to the forefront of our mind. God, I pray for confidence. I pray for courage. I pray for life in our bones that may come together, that we may have a passion rise up, that we may just have a, have a heart and a desire and a purpose that's not just for ourselves and today, but it's for our future and the generations to come. As we conclude our service, as we finish, if you've not yet given your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now. I want to ask that you pray this with me as you start again. You say, Jesus, I want to be the Lord of you to be the Lord of my life. Would you just repeat these words after me and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender to you. I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Today I choose to follow you. I believe that I am forgiven, that I am set free, and that I am saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. As you go about your week this week, as you set your hope for 2023, your goals, I pray, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you his peace this week. In Jesus' name, amen.